The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Bespris, and we are still rolling along. Now, coming into today's program, I had every intention of doing our next team-by-team breakdown, but then a couple of things shook out in the sports world, and I thought maybe we could just do, well, kind of a short show and a little bit of a what-should-we-expect kind of thing. Because we haven't kind of taken stock of everything that's going on in a while, honestly. We've done these little two-minute tidbits on little pieces of news that trickle through. And then we launch headlong into a team breakdown, which at this point in the season is useful. But let's be honest, we're going to need to review this stuff probably multiple times before our next fantasy draft takes place. So useful, yes. Useful now? No. I mean, yes, we're going to keep doing them. I don't want to sell my own show topics short, and certainly tomorrow we're going to get right back into breakdowns and more lessons learned from a season gone by. But we got a piece of news yesterday, and honestly it was it was a couple of them all kind of rolled together that shook out over the span of about three hours Late on Tuesday afternoon, and I'm a little bit annoyed that I didn't do yesterday's podcast later because I probably could have worked it in at the end. And at the same time, I'm not annoyed because it's giving me an opportunity to talk about it on today's show and really spend some serious time on this stuff. Now, on yesterday's program, we talked about the fact that Adrian Wojnarowski and uh, Shams Sharanya were beefing a little bit with their different explanations for whether or not the league was actually polling its players on whether or not they actually wanted to come back for the rest of the NBA season. And then, and I think we mentioned this yesterday, but just in case we didn't, a little bit later on yesterday, news broke that some of the biggest, many, in fact, of the biggest superstars in the NBA got on a conference call together And basically said, look, we need to get out in front of this thing. LeBron, Giannis, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, KD, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Steph, Dame, AD. All these guys were on a conference call, a private conference call, and then afterwards told the media about it. Hey, we got some of the biggest names in the NBA, not all of them, but many of them. To say, look, we want to play this thing out. And I thought a couple of things were interesting about that. The first thing that struck me as interesting is that not everyone on that list is making the playoffs this year. You'll notice there's one key name who not only is outside the playoff bubble, but also has a a whole lot of miles on his tires from this season and could have very easily said, no, we don't want to come back or "Let's, let's call it. And that's Damian Lillard. But when have we ever known Damian Lillard to not want the challenge put before him? The Blazers are the nine seed. They're three and a half games back. So there is a little bit of a hill to climb with only 16 games to go 
uh, 17 for the Grizzlies, the team in front of them, who lead them by four in the loss column. So that's a big hill to climb at this stage of the season, but anything could happen. Blazers knew the Grizzlies had a tough schedule. The Pelicans were charging from behind. The Kings were charging from behind. The other name that I thought was interesting on that list was Steph Curry. But you could chalk that one up to the fact that he's played five games all season and the dude just doesn't want to miss the entire year. Listen, here's the thing. Many of us, theoretically, the idea of taking a year off from whatever our job is and still getting paid for it, it sounds great. But ultimately, I think we all would get a little bored. And I don't know if that means that we'd want to do our job at the intense, physical, mental stress level that an NBA player would or whatever hours you would normally have to put. Like if you were working a 50 or 60 hour a week job and someone was like, hey, have the year off, but still get paid. You'd be like, okay. And then by the second or third month, you'd be like, um, can I do like 10 hours of work a week? Can I just like mess around a little bit, do something? There's only so many video games you can play. There's only so many movies you can watch before you lose your mind. There's only so many rounds of golf you can play. So I thought it was kind of interesting, in particular, that Damian Lillard was part of this. And I thought it was actually a useful tool for them, because if they left him off the call, not that that was ever an option, but let's say he wasn't there, then the argument here is you've got LeBron, one seed, Giannis, one seed, CP3 having a great year, five seed, showing off his wares to see if maybe, maybe, does he want to get traded? Maybe. Russ. Somebody was making a big deal about why James Harden wasn't on the call, but his teammate was. Russell Westbrook was on the damn call. Kevin Durant, who's on a playoff team in the Eastern Conference, would he even play if the season came back? And yet here he is. Kawhi, two seed. Wait, are the Clippers the two seed right now? Yeah. Kawhi, two seed. AD, one seed. So, like, yeah, obviously a lot of these guys want to come back because they, they want to be able to go to the playoffs, try to win a championship. KD hasn't played in forever. Steph hasn't played in forever. you got pretty good explanations there. LeBron, Giannis, Russ, AD, Kawhi, all these guys, these guys think they have a chance to win the championship. And many of them do. CP3, well, I don't know if he has a chance to, but listen, he's he runs the NBPA. So anyway, that happened. And then, a couple hours after the a poll was taken beef, and a couple hours after the biggest names in the NBA come out to say, we want to come back and play this season, we do not want to let this thing evaporate, we get Shams tweeting, the NBA and NBPA are forming a working group and have a call scheduled for Tuesday, which would have been a week from yesterday, so next Tuesday, to discuss return-to-play strategies. The call will include Chris Paul, the Players Association president, Russell Westbrook, Jason Tatum, Kyle Lowry, and Dwight Powell. (laughs) One of these things is not like the others. One of these guys is not a superstar, or a star even, but whatever, that doesn't matter. Um, Shams followed that up very quickly by, quote, retweeting himself, the NBPA has sent a memo to agents stating that the sense is players and NBA both want to finish the season and informed reps of the players, meaning the agents as well, of the players listed below, serving on the new committee, 
with the league on potential plans, working with the league on potential plans. So basically what he's saying is there's a call coming up on Tuesday. Some key players in the NBA, NBA, uh, the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association, will be on the call. The agents for those players have been informed. And everybody else, all the other agents have been told, we want to try to get this going. Three hours after that, Sham sent out another tweet. This one, basically, he and and Woj at the same time. Two looks at the same story. Adam Silver told the Board of Governors today that he is aiming for a two- to four-week timetable on the decision about whether to resume the season. And Woj, at about that same moment, I didn't go back to figure out which one was first because I saw them both about an hour after they happened, Woj tweeting, is the ESPN story on the NBA's Board of Governors call with Adam Silver and optimism growing toward a resumption of play this season. Woj tweeting out just moments later, quote, retweeting his own to say, once the NBA formalizes a return to play, the league indicated to teams that the plan would be to standardize coronavirus testing among the 30 teams, according to sources. These are loaded, loaded tweets. And it's very rare that I'm going to do a fantasy basketball podcast exclusively about four tweets. But that's basically where we're at today. This is, today, kind of a regular basketball show. Go figure. I'm not going to do fantasy every single day. But damn it, if a game happens, that's a really big deal. Here's what I took away from some of these tweets. And I want to go through them one by one. Uh... Frankly, I want to go through them in the order that I saw them because then you guys can sort of join me on my emotional journey through this situation. So first I saw saw the Shams tweet that the NBA and the Players Association are forming that working group and they have a call on Tuesday. I thought, okay, this is good. This is good. I mean, we're getting information. The NBA wants us to know that they have this working group that's trying to come up with the right way to bring the league back. At the same time, that tweet made me a little bit nervous because I started to think, okay, well, why do they want us to know this? We all knew indirectly, sort of a vague sense, that the NBA was trying to figure out a way to play again. Like, what do we think they've been doing the last two months? They're clearly trying to figure out a way to play again. We've seen all these stories banging around in the media, none of them with a ton of gravity yet, although it seems like they're starting to get a little bit closer. And so my thought was, why are they putting this out there? Are they trying to tell us, look, we're trying, even if we're not going to get it done, you guys need to know how hard we're trying to make this work. And so that made me a little bit nervous. But the immediate quote retweet, as well as the fact that they listed the players in the working group, including... Like like Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Jason Tatum, Kyle Lowry. These are big-name players. Sorry, Kyle Lowry. As great as you are, you probably have the smallest profile of those players. Even if you might be better in fantasy than Russell Westbrook most times. And then, you know, Dwight Powell, who... Uh, out with a severe injury, but apparently a hell of a negotiator. Learning things about Dwight Powell. He's a sharp cookie, man. Didn't that dude go to Stanford? Yeah, I think so. Um... Okay, so the specifics of it were 
I think, a small reason for optimism. But the very the, the quote retweet that came very shortly thereafter, that the Players Association sent the memo to the agents. The Players Association sent the memo to the agents saying that both players and the league want to finish the season. That changed the way I felt about things. They don't need to be sending messages to team or player agents. If they wanted the world, if they wanted the public, the the masses, myself included in this, if they wanted all of us to know that they're working on strategies, the first tweet accomplished that. And so my little, my, my aluminum foil brain which was saying, are they just telling us how hard they're working so that when they screw up, we can say, yeah, but they worked hard. That switch kind of got flipped off because if that was all they were trying to do with this message yesterday, there's no reason to tell all the player agents that we want to come back. The agents know. The agents know what the, the league has been talking about. The agents know what the players have been talking about. They're the one piece of this puzzle that gets information from both sides. The league tells agents what's going on so they can try to help negotiate contracts that make sense. The players talk to their agents so they know whether or not their players actually want to be coming back. So why is the Players Association sending an official memo to agents saying that both sides want to play? Well, that's to get them ready. That's so the agents can talk to their players. That's so the agents can reach out to all of their NBA clients and say, Look, you might not have seen this tweet. Frankly, the fact that some of these things are getting so few retweets in the grand scheme of things tells you that not everybody is seeing them. I mean, this is Shams and Woj we're talking about, and they're getting, what, a couple hundred retweets? That's like, that's pitiful. That's how little people are paying attention to the NBA right now. So let's assume a large portion of the league did not see Shams' tweet. So now the league is sending out a memo to the agent saying, you got to talk to your players because this is going to happen. We are going to make this happen. Get your people ready. I call that going from bad news to good news. The other stories we got, I think you could basically say are almost exclusively good news. And I'll tell you why. First, the Shams tweet. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver telling his board of governors that he's aiming for a two to four week timetable on the decision about whether to resume the season. So you could read that in a couple of ways. Certainly you could say, well, look, he could wait the four weeks and then say, no, we're not doing anything. But I think it's pretty good that he's finally put a timestamp on it. For a couple of reasons. Number one, I think the fact that they put a timestamp on it is because the NBA feels like they're getting closer to having the information they need to make a decision on this. Meaning... You know, things can happen over the next two to four weeks that make the league lean back towards the negative outcome, such as large-scale outbreaks coming back on the virus, although most experts predict that won't be until the late, late summer or fall, sort of the fall-winter season, you know, when viruses tend to be around a bit more. But, you know, you never know what could happen. Uh, all the states are sort of doing different things, so you may have hotspots, things like that. So I think that's part of why they're leaving this, this window where things could turn sour. But the fact that he has this, I think, to me, I'm interpreting this as 
The NBA believes they can get the testing that they need to make this happen. I think they believe that they have some locations in mind where this could work. Because if that type of stuff wasn't close, we'd still be in indefinite land. There was nothing yesterday where that made Adam Silver pick two to four week timetable. He could have just said, we're going to keep assessing things and we're going to try to make a decision within the next month or two. I, I mean, there, there's he's basically taken all the ending dates out of the equation. So there wasn't really anything saying you have to come out with numbers here soon. It's certainly useful for us. It's useful for the entire world. It's useful for NBA media and NBA fans to have a ballpark idea of what's going on. But he could have very easily gotten away with another week or two of saying nothing or more. Now let's get to the Woj tweets, because this, to me, is where things get even more interesting. I thought that first Shams tweet was important, and then these middle tweets here, the ones that were basically the same, Woj putting together a story on the NBA, the Adam Silver's call with the NBA Board of Governors. But Woj picks his words very carefully. Don't you ever doubt that he doesn't think, especially when he's not in the throes of trade season. But, I mean, think about what he did, like... Think about what he did on draft day, where he kept picking a different verb to describe how every team was feeling about the pick they were about to make. Because the league was like, Woj, please stop tweeting out the picks before they happen on TV. So then he started tweeting things like, oh, the New York Knicks are enamored with so-and-so. And so he never actually said they were going to pick him, but he said they were going to pick him. And he just started trolling the league. Woj knows exactly what he's doing in every tweet he sends out. I have no idea how someone does that much on his phone and doesn't make more silly little mistakes and can truly think through these little details, but he does. Everything he writes has a purpose. I hearken back to the earlier tweets from yesterday where he included the word informal about the poll basically to troll shams, who put out a tweet saying, oh, the league has denied that any formal poll has taken place. And then Woj tweeted out, so-and-so, blah, 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 is the result of the inf informal poll taken of the NBA players. It's like, okay, you want to mess with me? I control you back. So everything that he puts in his tweets is critical. Everything. So let me read this verbatim. ESPN story on NBA's Board of Governors call with Adam Silver today and optimism growing toward a resumption of play this season. You think that dude's putting the word optimism in a tweet? unless he thinks something's about to happen. His word carries so much weight. Dude has 4 million Twitter followers. 4 million. He's a, he's a media personality. He's a senior NBA insider for ESPN, and he has 4 million Twitter followers. Everything that he says is gospel. He basically bullied some team owners, with the help of regular Twitter, into paying their... They're part-time employees. This is a powerful man. If he says there's optimism, there's optimism. If he says there's optimism, he's trying to tell all of us that things are happening without telling us what things are happening. It's a tea, this is tea leaf, reading, tea leaf reading right here. This is reading between the lines on the Woj tweet of yesterday. And, and believe me, there's more in the second one. He chose his words extraordinarily carefully. 
Now, there's nothing in this tweet about when or how. And when I say when, I also I, I mean both when we might see a game again and when in the season they pick up. But fear not. There's something on that in the next tweet. But I really want to focus again on the fact that he noted that the call showed optimism. Meaning, and Adam, make no mistake, Adam Silver is talking to both sides on this thing too. He's talking to the players. He's talking to the ownership. Yes, he responds. He reports back to the owners. He is their representative at the end of the day. But the fact that he has optimism, I'm hearing from this, that Adam Silver basically feels like he's got enough buy-in from the players and he's got enough buy-in from the owners. And now it's about bringing the details together. And finally, and this is, this is a big one, the last one, the quote retweet from Woj, not... Uh, I guess it was not but a few minutes later, actually, that said, once the NBA formalizes a return to play, and I, I mean, I, I'm going to pick this story apart like there's... Like there's no tomorrow. By there's uh there are some other little tweets that I that I'm gonna pull up before we're totally done today. So don't worry, I didn't miss them. I'm just focusing on what I think are the big ones. Adam Silver told uh once the NBA formalizes a return to play, the league indicated to teams that the plan would be to standardize coronavirus testing among the thirty teams, sources said. Two very big words in this tweet. Big word number one is once. Big word number two is 30. Why is once a big word? Because he didn't put the word if. This, to me, feels like a colossal if. Even as recently as a couple days ago. Based on a lot of the reporting we've heard, we've been, I feel like we've been given a lot of really negative stories. And listen, I'm, uh, you guys probably know enough about me to know that I am a bit left of center politically. I've tried to keep that off the podcast for the most part, and I hope you guys have, have sort of come along with me on this journey. I'm not a stick to sports guy. But I am, for this podcast at least, I try to keep that off the table because, I, you know, as my Twitter feed. That's what my Twitter feed's for. If I want to get political, I'll do it over there. This podcast is for everybody. Uh, we're, we're here to be your mental break for the day. But I'll tell you, from most of the stories that I'm seeing, they're telling me that I'm doomed. And I mean, even here in California, we, we got word that the, our stay-at-home order is basically definitely going to last for another two to three months. I mean, that's, this is heartbreaking stuff. And then you get a tweet like that that says, once the NBA formalizes a return to play, not if the NBA formalizes a return to play, it's once Adrian Wojnarowski is saying that it's going to happen. Basically, once this happens, he's call, it's like he's tweeting it like it's a foregone conclusion. I don't know anything about anything. But that surprises the hell out of me. I didn't think this was a foregone conclusion. I had every hope that we would see the playoffs, and I have almost no hope, or had almost no hope, 
that we were going to see any more regular season games, maybe some exhibition games that don't matter, or maybe there's just like a two or three game tune-up, but I don't know how it counts for anything. Meanwhile, we've got this tweet that just makes it seem like, yeah, they're going to figure it out. It's under control. The other really big word in that tweet was 30. That's everybody. That means that they want everyone to play, including the teams that are not currently inside the playoff picture. Am I hearing, am I seeing this right? That not only are they trying to get games to happen, but they're trying to get regular season games to happen? And that opens up a massive can of worms. I have no idea how the NBA could possibly open up regular season games and not play out the entire regular season schedule. There are teams, I mean, there are a handful of teams that don't care how many regular season games happen the rest of the way. I would venture to say the Lakers, the Bucks, don't give a crap about the remaining regular season schedule, uh, the Wolves, the Warriors at the other end of the spectrum. In the Eastern Conference, you could make an argument that the Knicks, Pistons, Hawks, and Cavs don't really give a crap. The Hornets probably, too, about how many regular season games are left. What did I list? Seven, eight teams? The other 20-plus do, I think, care how many regular season games are left. Maybe not the Raptors, either, since they're sort of comfortably in second place and they ain't catching the first-place team. You can make an argument the Clippers might not care, either. But I would make a pretty reasonable argument that the Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, Mavs, Grizzlies, Blazers, Pels, Kings, Spurs, and Suns all do care how many games are left in the Western Conference because all of those teams have a chance to either make the playoffs or want to battle for playoff seeding. The Nuggets would love to get in front of the Clippers because they're way better at home and so are the Clippers. The Jazz, I'm sure, would love to get in front of the Nuggets or Clippers. The Thunder, I'm sure, would love to get first home court advantage in the first round, and they're only a game back of the Jazz. The Rockets would love to turn this weird ship around and get out of the six hole. The Mavs, I don't know how far they're going. Maybe they're fine. I don't know. Grizzlies, actually, they're probably happy that if no games happen because they'd love to make sure they stay in the playoffs. Blazers, Pels, Kings, Spurs, Suns, they all want to try to chase down the Grizz. Same argument for the Eastern Conference. I don't need to give you all the teams, but all these clubs are battling for home court. So the Heat, the Pacers, the Sixers, the Nets, the Magic, the Wizards, you could maybe even throw in there. Those teams all do care. Maybe the Celtics do too. I don't know. Perhaps they'd like to pass the Raptors. Celtics have been a little better at home than the road. Not by a ton. But I thought it was intensely interesting that Woj put the number 30 in that. He could have just said the plan would be to standardize coronavirus testing among all teams. Well, all what? All remaining teams? All playoff teams? All teams that are going to play a game? But he put it. He put that 30 in there. Adrian, you told us yesterday that you believe the league is coming back and you believe we're going to see regular season games. What I'm saying is, and I think this would be a sticking point, I don't know how you play a regular season game and not play all of the regular season games. Like, how do you just play five or six? All these teams fighting for the last playoff spot. The Blazers, the Pels, the Kings, the Spurs, the Suns. The Suns are basically eliminated 
if they don't play more than six games the rest of the way. Their season's over. Then they say, well, why am I even coming back? What am I doing? Spurs are four games out. I mean, most of these teams have about 15, 16, 17 games if they played them all. If you lop off seven or eight of those, you eliminate the playoff chase, and you turn this into a weird exhibition, and I don't see how the players are going to be happy about that. I don't see how teams at the bottom are happy about that either. Like, you got Eastern Conference teams that all kind of suck. Western Conference has the Warriors with the worst record in the league. The Wolves are basically locked into a virtual tie, not quite, with the Hawks, uh, the Cavs, the Pistons. So, and the Knicks are not that far off of that pace either. So you've got these like four or five teams at the bottom that are fighting to be in the bottom three for those slightly better lottery odds. So they have business to attend to down the stretch. And I'm sure more games, they think, well, maybe we could lose some more of them. There's too many, there are too many teams with arguments to be made to play all of the games. It's just, it's weird if they're going to try to play a regular season and not play the actual regular season. So what are we going to see here then? If they come up with a plan here in the next two to four weeks, are we going to see games on July 1st? And are they going to play five weeks of regular season games and start the playoffs the second week of August? And the playoffs are August and September? And the offseason is October and November, and then we have games back on Christmas Day? Maybe? That feels like that's late. If you wipe out the regular season, you start the playoffs in July. They go July and August, and then you've got September, October, November, and most of December for the offseason. But I think what's happening here is that if indeed games do come back in July, the NBA is going to treat half of March, April, May, June as three of the offseason months. Normally, the offseason runs uh, half of June, July, August, September, and part of October which is like four and a half-ish, a little bit more than four and a half months between the end of the playoffs and the start of the next regular season. But if we have three of those months off now, then you could see them condense next offseason to about two, two and a half months. So that could actually happen. Thanks to Woj and his cleverly selected words in his tweet, I'm once again starting to think that we might actually see a regular season. I can't believe it. I didn't believe it. I, I've, yesterday, I would have told you 0% chance we see regular season. Uh, by the way, we got another tweet, and here's a couple other ones that are sort of, I thought, nibbling at the edges a tiny bit. Woj tweeted, Today, Adam Silver told those on the NBA's Board of Governors call that if, if a positive test would shut us down, we probably shouldn't go down this path. Meaning, they are going to be prepared for the possibility of a positive test and the league continuing to play. Meaning they are now setting this up in a way where the league will not shut down again once it's going. They are going to build it such that the league can withstand someone contracting the coronavirus. Then there's rampant testing, teams get quarantined, all that good stuff, and and then you hope that you can kind of snuff it out. Player stays home, blah, blah, blah. Um, the NBA is hopeful that 22 of the 30 teams will have their facilities open for voluntary workouts by Monday. That's pretty good, but not super relevant. 
Among factors, leagues study and ramp up to final decision, understanding the trajectory of new cases, understanding who's getting severely ill and why, developments in testing and how other sports are handling positive tests among participants and continuing to play. So they're still studying things such as the two to four week deal. But boy, I'll tell you what, the growing optimism and the fact that he listed 30 teams, that's a very big deal. One other note from Woj. In discussion with the owners, Silver used the term campus environment in what, in, when referencing what's been called a bubble. Call included significant detail on how other leagues are working toward their returns as well. So they're working with a lot of different leagues, and it does sound like they are moving towards this bubble or campus environment. But that stuff I thought was less the main point of what was sent out yesterday than those those key four tweets that we broke down on today's podcast. And I know that this is weird. I know that we didn't touch on fantasy on today's show, and maybe some of you uh, tuned it out partway, but I hope some of you stuck with us here because I thought yesterday was the first piece of actual good news we've gotten on the NBA in arguably months, maybe since it shut down. I mean, how many times have we actually heard the term optimism used? Tomorrow, we'll get back to fantasy. Today, we talk the NBA resuming. I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. You can argue with me about this. I don't care. I'm not married to any of this stuff. I just think these were really interesting notes being put out, really interesting stories from some of the biggest names in NBA media, and they were worth analyzing for what they are, indications of what we can expect. And Lord, I just want some damn good news, and I'll grapple with this for now. Have a wonderful Wednesday. I hope this brought a little bit of optimism into your brains as well. Maybe we'll hear something good about baseball in the not-too-distant future also. Come on, NBA. Get it done. We need you. Stay safe, everybody. We'll talk fantasy again tomorrow. So long from my recording studio, the area right next to my bed. Bye-bye. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.